Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Top Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Welcome back, Big Ten Backers. We had a nice week 11. And me and Beeve are going to break it down for you. But before we get started, Beeve, how's it going, man? What you been up to? Oh, man, you know, living the dream. Uh, Back from Happy Valley. Penn State's an awesome place to go visit, man. A great place to watch a football game. Fans are awesome. Their football team is good defensively, but offensive coordinator is gone. Maybe there's some hope. Think Franklin. You got any hope for Franklin to hire someone good? I don't. You can't have two good coordinators on one team, right? Yeah, only if you're Nick Saban. Not for the perennial third best team in the Big Ten East. Man, they just got too much. Their stadium, their atmosphere, their fan base. They got to get something good in there, man. I feel bad. All right, man. Before we get uh, too deep into this game, you know, we got to do our legendary, iconic opening of this segment. We have the Midwest Corn Fest Game of the Week. Boy, Beave. Number three, Michigan, ran wild on number 10, Penn State, winning 24-15. Michigan was dominant on the ground, racking up 227 total yards at 4.9 per carry. Crazy thing about this game is we only saw 134 total passing yards. Both teams combined. Michigan did not try to attempt to pass since halfway through the second quarter. Craziness. Michigan. Strap that big boy pants on and played old school big football. And the Lions had no answer for that run game. You would have thought Jim Harbaugh died in a plane crash versus being suspended by the Big Ten the way Sharon Moore. Sometimes I cry. Yeah, that man, that post-game interview, he was a bitch. We got to call him Sharon now. Sharon Moore, crying on the side. His mascara was running down his cheeks the way blood was running down his running back space, man. Little bitch. Suck it up. Yeah, he got blasted by like pretty much every college football crew after that that was talking about games on podcast, on College Football Live. Like an eight-year-old little boy that got caught stealing, he just starts fucking bawling. On national TV, and for what? Uh, I got caught. I I got caught cheating. I'm gonna start fucking crying because I don't know what else to do. Yeah, on menace to sports, they did bring up an interesting point. Maybe it was his fault. Maybe that's why he was crying. He was like, "Shit, I should have been the fall guy." Thank you, Harbaugh. Instead, I got to win <laughs> as a coach. I don't know. In some ways, you know, I admire this Michigan fan base, and in some ways, they just look like pathetic little bitches. I mean, the spugness, the fans actually believe everything that comes out positive for Michigan. They got caught and they believe that it's not wrong. 
They're like, well, we didn't do anything wrong. Everyone cheats. Like, come on, man. There is film of you. There's a money trail. There doesn't need to be due process. That is the due process. There's facts. That whole due process thing is just complete bullshit. They just want a natty. And I get it. I would be the same way. And if the situation were reversed and it was Ohio State getting caught up in this in this mess, you better believe those Michigan men would come out and be, we are so moral, we don't cheat, we don't do anything wrong. But if you have to proclaim something like that, you know it's not actually true. I'm going to give Michigan University some credit. It's like a perfect marriage, man. Your girl got your back no matter what. She got your back. This is like the Clintons. Done Monica Linsky out there. But she ain't leaving. She got his back. I got to tell you, man, no, I admire Michigan in a way, too. And just like you said, the program has the backing. The fans have the backing of their coach. The president has the backing of their coach. And they all want to win. In Ohio State, if they had backing of Urban, who knows? Maybe he'd still be here. He'd still be the coach. And he actually wasn't responsible for what happened in the home life of one of his coaches. Harbaugh is directly responsible for what his coach is doing within the program and what he's doing directly on the sidelines. I mean, that's in his sight line. So, I mean, to say that he's not responsible or he doesn't know, it's complete bullshit. But backing your coach, backing your program, I get it. I like it. I like that they want to win. I like that they know that they have that chance at a national title and they're willing to do whatever they can for it. They're just going a little too far. Like, accept your punishment. Take down your pants and take your ass beating. Right on, B. Let's get back to this game, man. We're going to go down this rabbit hole forever. But Michigan did not have a great day blocking the pass rush. But that did not matter. Not a bit. When you can just pull out this, I miss Jim Hardball, bet dick energy, and run it down the throat like a blonde in a porno. James Franklin strikes again. This man cannot win a big game to save his life. Slash coaching job. Boy, is Frank the Tank. He is Frank the Tank. He tanks all those games. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. I just had to interject. Frank the Tank. You got you to say it right, man. You got to put that t on the end. Got a little caught up in my old school. Go ahead. Josh Payton others claimed him not to be overrated as a coach. I don't see how that can be said. He is overrated by position. Maybe not as a coach. I understand that. He only loses the games he's not supposed to win. But if you're a great coach or a good coach, you make your money by winning games you shouldn't. And that's the biggest thing here. When you look at the Sabins, the Kirbys, the Dabos, the Myers, whoever types, they advance their coaching career by winning games they're not supposed to. Or they build a program to the point that they're favored every time they take the field. Yeah, and that's what... That's what Franklin did at Vanderbilt. He just hasn't done it at Penn State. That's why he got hired at Penn State, right? Yeah, and it's not worked out there. For me, he needs to go. He's got to go. He needs fired. How many times are you going to give him chances to hire a new offensive coordinator, hire a new defensive coordinator? He's not the man for the job. He's not a bad coach. He's just not good enough in his position as the head coach at Penn State. They deserve better. The fan base deserves better. The university deserves better. And the Big Ten deserves better. Touche. And I'm telling you, none of those, none of those Dabos, Myers, Kirby's, Sabins are remotely close to James Franklin. He's not even close to those guys. And if you want your team to take the throw, you need to man up and get another man because he's not the man for the job. 
Anyways, Beef, break down this Big Ten heavy hitter for the backers. Yeah, man, this was a clinic on how to fuck up the use of advanced analytics. And this is a second big game in a row that Franklin's done it. It was going for it on fourth downs at inopportune times. It's just a complete waste of a possession. Analytics are tools. They're not coaching decisions. They are to be used situationally, not followed to a T. They needed more like timing plays to get some passes out from that offense, some screens and some quick outs, some timing passes. When they did use it, I remember sitting there, I was right in front of that one fourth down that they went for. And yes, it was ballsy, but at least they were heading into their end zone and they had the ball at an opportune place where even if you didn't get it and Michigan takes over, your defense has a chance to stop it. You can rely on that defense and that's what they have. So I agreed with that one, but they needed anything quick because Aller holds on to the ball too long. And if he's not holding on the ball too long, the offensive line, which is questionable at best, lets people through. Instead, every fucking first down, they ran the ball. You didn't need signs. Connor Stallions didn't need to read anything, didn't need to have any videotape. We all knew it was coming. Everyone in the stadium knew it was coming. Sharon Moore knew it was coming. Yes, sir. Let me let me throw something in here. If your recipe is boiled chicken, no one needs another fucking recipe. And that's the Penn State offense. Their Penn State, the Penn State offense, like I said in the breakdown before the week, it's relying on turnovers. If they don't get good field possession off the turnovers, they don't score. They didn't get a turnover. They didn't score. Not enough, at least. Let's get da- let's get down to a big dog. Let's talk about some big dogs now. We got some big dogs, man. Number two, Georgia. The dogs dismantle number nine, Old Miss, fifty-two to seventeen, and the backers, big one. Mm, you know that hurt. If Georgia wasn't on your mind as the number one team in the nation, they will be tonight. Georgia, Georgia, my mind. Expect the playoff committee. To put these guys number one, Big Ten backers. They now have the resume and are playing absolutely lights out. Lane train done got knocked off their tracks once again. And boy, that was not a good showing for the Rebels. Kirby and his dogs are a machine at this point, and it's looking like it's gonna be another great SEC matchup when the surging tide meets them in Atlanta, Georgia. Only had eight third down attempts and scored 52 points. Eight third down attempts and get 52 points. That shows you how dominant they were. Wow. That isn't dominant. Then twist my nipple and call me Sally. I just can't wait till I see you next time because I'm definitely going to pretend it wasn't dominant and I'm going to twist that nipple and call you Sally just for fun. Hey, don't tempt me with a good time. B, these dogs went for 300 on the ground at 8.6 per rush on 35 attempts. Ole Miss got ran through like a Connor Stallion's bank account. Shit. Man, I was listening to Greg McElroy, and he was talking about, you know, how the Big Ten or the media is always propping up Penn State every year to threaten U of M or Ohio State, and every year they always lose. Well, yeah, they do. But just like any other second or third place team in any other division, Lane was like the devil in Georgia. But hey, he's chronically second fiddle, just like Penn State. But back to the game. Georgia is number one. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. Hell, even Connor Stallions knows it. The college football playoff committee better vote it. And just another 300-yard game for Carson Beck. Color me impressed again. 
that man is showing out. I mean, he does have some damn good receivers to throw to, but Brock Bowers is back. Ankle surgery and all, man. It's nice to see. But what other big dogs we got left? We're still barking, man. Big 10 backers are barking. So many dogs going to be in the playoffs. I think I talked about that when we first started our first podcast, when we were talking about who was going to be in the playoffs. I like my playoffs. 50% dogs. It's starting to look that way, baby. It is starting to look like 50% dogs, but that other big dog that you're talking about is Washington. And number 18, Utah traveled out to Washington and they get beat 35-28. Another dog matchup. But these dogs belong to the Pac-12 in the state of Washington. These Huskies are for real, reaching 10-0 for the second time in program history. And they had to do it on one of the nation's best defenses. Utah made it interesting, able to match point for point and holding a lead at the half. But whatever the pig farmer did in the first half, the Huskies figured it out and held the Utes to zero points in the second. Alfonso the Dumbo for Washington had himself a 76-yard interception return for Washington. He decided to celebrate a little early and drop the ball before he crossed the end zone. Yo, hold on to your balls until you score. Trust me, it feels better. Give him a nice little squeeze. Beef, you got anything you want to add on this one for the backers? Yeah, man, what the fuck? Dropping a ball like that? I thought that was a thing in the past. I thought people had learned their lesson. Those dumbasses need to learn from past mistakes. I mean, we've all seen it the last few years. I just don't know. It screams juvenile backyard football to me. How they haven't had some coach in the past at least instill some basic ball security, even if you're on defense. It just blows my mind. But man, let's talk the Phoenix. He has the juice and no one is stopping him from bringing it to the college football party, baby. Three touchdowns. And over 300 yards, Adunze, 111 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Dylan Johnson, man, he's bringing it at the right time. Another 100-yard game on the ground. He's really coming on in the second half of the season, just in time for the playoffs. And like you said, 10-0 and for the second time in school history. This is a record-setting UW team, man. Pretty impressive. I like what I'm seeing. They just have that it factor, you know? They do. They got something brewing, man. And it's looking like we might get Oregon and Washington in a rematch. But the Beavers, they just might have something to say about that because they are still holding their own and control their destiny. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We had number 14, Missouri. They obliterated Tennessee 36-7. Drinkwitz. Man, I got to give him some credit for his work with the Tigers of Mizzou. That's one you'll keep in the memory bank forever. He got his team up and made the volunteers wish they didn't. So one time, Beef, I volunteered to help out with an air show back in the day at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. And we had a storm coming through. We were in a rush to get some industrial sides tents down before the storm hit. But anyways, I'll get to my point. This young man next to me decided to remove the tension on one of those tent poles, not aware of his face location in comparison to the pole's release point was. And boy, he got Tysoned. That pole fucking Mike Tyson his ass. And that is this game in a nutshell. Hey, man, I got I got to talk to you a little bit. I don't know what went on, but you were talking about Seymour Johnson pitching tents and big old poles. I think that there should be a T-shirt like that or something. Boy, you know, I can erect some tents. I got you. 
But anyways, Mizzou did work on the ground. 51 carries for 255 yards. And well, if you can't stop the run, you can't stop the pass. And Mizzou was successful at both. Yeah, I couldn't believe that Tennessee played so bad at Missouri. You would think Missouri, after the dog fight that they were in last week, they should be the ones that have the letdown. But they found the cure for the hangover, man. And I fucking want to know what it is because I get bad hangovers. It's just one thing I got to know. Got any aspirins? I've had a bad fucking headache all day long. <laughs> Must be a lucky day. Three turnovers swing this in Missouri's favor, though. You can't count out those turnovers, man. Those are a drive killer. They're a program killer. They're a quarterback killer if you're uh, Nebraska. So, you know, that's something to really pay attention to. The turnovers can swing any game. They are the great equalizer. Good team can lose to a bad team with a lot of turnovers. Anyway, off that soapbox, I kind of always thought that Tennessee wasn't really what they were adding up to be all year. I mean, they kept on pulling off wins. I kind of felt like they were more Kentucky type of team, but they kept hanging in there. They kept getting those wins and they just got blown out this game. I mean, no excuses. Blown out. Got to give Missouri credit. Like you said, Drinkwitz has his team ready to play. They look good against Georgia really until the end. That's a tough team. They are. I think there's a great divide between the top of the SEC and the middle and obviously the low end. There's a divide, man. But anyways, Beave, we're the Big Ten backers. It's time to bring you those Big Ten games and get our reaction to what happened in the big. Big Ten Roundup. Time to break down week 11. Let's get to that big on big action, baby. We got Iowa. They goose egg Rutgers 22 to nothing. I didn't see this one coming, backers. Not necessarily the Iowa win, but the goose egg for the Knights. Crazy thing is, Vegas doesn't know how bad the little 10 is this year on offense. They set the over and under at 27 and a half, and we got 22 total points. What the fuck? Hell, this was a six-point game going into the fourth quarter before Iowa would add 16. If you're an Iowa fan, I guess you're celebrating making it to 8-2 and two on the season, but you know you're going to need more points once you meet one of the big two from the East. Hawkeyes had a great day yardage-wise, putting a combined effort to the tune of 402 total yards and 21 first downs, but they didn't come out to equaling points. Beef, how did Iowa put Greg Shiano's Knights to sleep? Man, I don't know. I agree with you, man. I don't know where this came from. How the hell does Iowa score 16 points in one quarter? They barely average 16 points after 10 games. Get that in one fucking quarter. It, you know what it really happened? It started with that kick-ass defense. It wasn't turnovers. They held the Scarlet Knights to 34 yards rushing and 94 yards passing. Two for 11 on third down. Man, they might be rated third in the nation, but pound for pound, this has got to be the best defense in the nation. They get no help from that offense. They have to take all the pressure themselves, and they just keep producing. And you know what? Kind of like Penn State, that defense is right behind them. One and two in the nation is what they should be, pound for pound. We both got this one wrong, man. 
And speaking of games we got wrong, what's the next one you got? Mm. Maryland survives on the road, outlasting the Cornhuskers 13 to 10. Time to get those funky smelling numbered shoes and stick your fingers in three holes. Baby, Maryland is going bowling. Did you just did you just give him the shocker? We just gave him the shocker, baby. And one extra hole. You know, fish hook too. Maryland gets right, finally. After a skid, no one wanted to smell. But yet, here they are, nonetheless. I definitely had better predictions for them. But hell, who cares? They're still going bowling. Jack Howells hits the game-winning field goal for the Terps as time runs out and ruined another chance for Nebraska to go bowling. And they haven't done it since 2016. Man, soon as I thought Nebraska was getting hot, the beer goggles got removed by Sparty and the Terps, and she's still fucking ugly. She an ugly-ass turd. It's a damn shame. Beef, there is one rule in Nebraska, and that's no consistency. Yeah, how do you spell rule there? R. H-U-L-E. Yeah, maybe we've just been rooting for the Huskers just because their fan base is so fucking awesome. Next week, they got another team that's been taking a nosedive. And speaking of Nebraska, how the hell have we not made it out to Lincoln this season, man? Any Nebraska fans out there want to talk to us about coming to Lincoln? We're open ears. You got to talk us into it, though. What's the next stop? Ooh, next stop, man. Speaking about hot teams, Illinois survives in visiting Hoosier, winning 48-45 to in overtime. For the third damn week in a row, Illinois gets a magical win, this time in overtime, 48-45, baby. Burt in the bellies. Dig deep in the belly button again to find enough lint to get the job done again. I know I said wow, but wow. They have added three victories in a row and pulled this season back together. You know, Bird is loving the sound of that. The Illini was able to get 662 total yards on Indiana and Tom Allen. 507 of that was through the air. Beef, Illinois, is one win away from bowling. It's getting cereal wins and champagne. Illinois. 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 Man. They, did they turn it around? I don't know how that happened, but Illinois. Get, and who do they have left on their schedule? They got Iowa, which is a very good possibility of a loss. Eight and two Iowa, but I can't believe you just said Illinois is hot. Wow. Illinois. And then they got Northwestern, which is another hot team, man. This, this is crazy. Everyone is five and five in the Big Ten West. No one wants it, except for maybe Iowa kind of wants it. They just don't want to score to get there. Bert in the bellies, man. Them donuts are finally paying off, brother. Donuts. <laughs> you got any other teams that are five and five out there that we should talk about? Uh, almost the entirety of the Big Ten West, man. They're all fine by It's crazy. But anyways, here's one that's not. Purdue runs the Gophers out of town, winning 49-30. to 30. 
Purdue grabs almost half a hundro and puts PJ and the Gophers in dangerous non-bowl eligible scenario this season. Yeah, but what is what is Minnesota's record? Five and five. Of course. That's what I said. I'm only going to name you one that's not, and that's Purdue. (laughs) (laughs) Purdue and Iowa, the only ones. Yeah, one's better, one's well below. No, craziness. Craziness in the Big Ten West. But Purdue did its dirty work on the ground between the tackles grabbing 353 rushing yards at eight yards per carry. They steamed those gophers. On a day where Minnesota quarterback Callie licking my damn anus would throw 292 yards and three tutties, they would still lose by 19. Ooh, ouch. B, Purdue at this point can only ruin the seasons of other teams, but can Minnesota get that elusive sixth win? Man, I got to go over this real quick. Iowa, 8-2. Northwestern, 5-5. Five and five. Nebraska, 5-5. Five and five. Wisconsin, 5-5. Five and five. Illinois, 5-5. Five and five. Minnesota, five and five. Purdue, three and seven. Hey, I thought this was kind of a joke at first, but they are all five and five. Holy shit. Back to Purdue. What do we got to say about them Boilermakers, man? Holy shit. Now they're starting to turn it around. Minnesota. All right, man. I got to talk about Minnesota first. They got to stop rowing. And start bailing water, man. Because this boat is a sinking ship in Minneapolis. Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Abandon ship. Lost to Illinois and Purdue back to back. And might not go bowling with Ohio State and Wisconsin left on that schedule. But Ryan Walters, he's looking good down the stretch. It took him a while to get going. But man, he's starting to pick it up. Might be good for the second season at, at the helm of that Boilermaker team and the main man might they might get it. You might just get the job done there in West Lafayette. What do you think? I think it's possible, man. You're right. It started off rough. But he's figuring it out. He's getting it together. Someone's got to. Someone out there in the big west. Who else do we want to talk about out there that's not getting shit done? You know, we got some more five and five teams for you. That seems to be the rule of the day. We had Northwestern in Madison. They dumped on my Badgers. Bad. Winning 24 to 10. Well, Northwestern, despite all the shower talk and this season being a wash, well, it didn't happen. They've been pulled back from the drain to get themselves to a five and five on the season. David Braun has now got the most wins and a first season as a head coach from Northwestern since 1903. I think David has applied, and he wants that interim tag removed. Luke Fickle is not going to have the dream cream season us Badgers have hoped for. Injuries and inconsistencies have led the Badgers on a downslope, and it ain't even sledding season yet. Guess we are all ready for ice fishing here in Wisconsin. They have been an old-fashioned letdown. Beef, what you got on this game? Hey, man. The secret to the Big Ten is to not win too many games. Manage it with low expectations. Don't get too good. Or people will just expect more. The secret is being very average. 
Then you just skate along. You don't get fired as a head coach, but no one expects you to win. I do feel bad for Wisconsin. I do feel bad for Fickle. But the time it, it is now, Badgers got to build for next year. Wisconsin looked good to start the season. Northwestern looked terrible to start the season. And they did the old switcheroo. You know, that happened to me once with some twins. I was pissed. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a pissy story. That sounds like a good story. <laughs> anyway, we got another game to talk about. And these teams aren't five and five. Nope. One's well above and one's well below. Buckeyes blow out Sparty and Columbus winning 38 to three. You knew it. I knew it. The whole world knew it. No news here. Buckeyes big against Michigan State. Maserati Marv went off, and Honda McCord had his best day yet in his young collegiate career. 38-3, and Ryan Day pulled off his nuts before this really got ugly on the Spartans' faces. I'm glad he pulled off those nuts, man. Got to see some, some of the future stars. The Sparty coach search should be a good one, but their season has been done from the get-go, thanks to one phone call. I bet there were multiple phone calls, man. <laughs> multiple phone calls and multiple <laughs> rags and probably a couple bottles of lotions later, but yes. yes. What's wrong with you, man? Everyone is fucking dying. You're fucking joking, huh? You sick fucking asshole. Oh, bringing it back. Bringing it back. This is so many good memories. <laughs> it's been a fun season. How many tucks could a tucker tucker tuck if a tucker tucker was tucking? Uh, about $50 million worth. $50 million. Here, here's my check for $80 million. Go ahead. It was worth every minute. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's bring it back to Michigan State and Ohio State. We're going to bring it back to Ohio State. We're going to bring it back to Ohio State, but we're not going to bring it back to Michigan State. I just wanted to say we are on a collision course. The collision course is almost here. We're going to get the annual Big Ten's best battle in on Arbor, and boy, it's here, Beave. It's near, and it's here, baby. It's almost time for it. We got one more week to go, and boy, am I ready for that showdown. Oh, man, I'm ready, too. I'm just worried. I'm not going to be able to be observant and not fanboy out at that game. I mean, that's where I draw the line, Ohio State and Michigan. I am not going to be able to interview people and give it a spin that I like Michigan, that I care about Michigan. And I don't hate Michigan because I want to see Ohio State whoop that ass, obviously. Don't worry, Beef. You'll be on camera duty. You'll be on camera duty. I got you. <laughs> you'll be able to do this. You'll be able to interview those people for me. Man, I got to get some interviews in there. I'm going to be talking shit, though. I'm going to do it. There's nothing <laughs> I can do. Anyway, back to that game. Michigan State. I like to see Lincoln Kineholtz. I'm a huge fan. I'm a big fan of Jermaine Matthews. Going to be like another cornerback in the NFL. Matthews from LSU, and Jelani Thurman, man, the tight end. It's going to be good days still in Columbus, man. Future stars coming up. They're going to be good. I just like games like that where you get to see the future, you know? I, I like it. I get it. I get it. You know, if my Badgers could ever just blow out somebody. Maybe I don't understand, but I, I don't really get that. But I'm trying. That's coming next year, man. What do we got next? Where are we going? Well, Beave. I'm back from Vegas. I didn't have my trimmer with me. Now I do. 
the ginger balls have turned into a prickly pear, and it's time to fix it. It's time to trim the landscape. Boy, I'm bald and beautiful now. Let's trim the landscape. Let's do it. Number eight, Bama rolls in the Bluegrass State beating Kentucky 49-21. Bama was too much for old KY. And like the fans that hated on Bama early, they are now just jelly as their team sits 5-5 five and five and Bama's on another title run. Big Dick Nick, the tide is surging. And well, I hope everyone is ready for their showdown against the dogs here in a few weeks. Bama is like an STD. You just can't get rid of them. Hate them or not, they ain't going nowhere. Kentucky didn't put up fighting this game, only grabbing 253 total yards. Although it looked close until the tide grabbed three consecutive TDs and the third and the fourth. B. Milro had another six tutty performance. Six tutties, man. Ouch. Hey, man. You said they're back. They ain't back until they take on Chattanooga. Seven and three, baby. Watch out for that one. It's a sleeper. And we'll all be sleeping if we're watching that game. Man, you're right. It's shaping up to be an awesome SEC title game. And Bama and the Dogs didn't think it was going to happen this year after that second week of the season. But that turnaround, man, Saban's got his boys rolling. And Milrose looking like a stud. Man, running it, passing it, whatever he's got to do. And a little bit of both if he needs to. Kentucky, they're a fraud every year. And the SEC teams are always getting credit for beating them. Not good, but average. I guess that's better than the bottom feeder of the past for Kentucky. What do we got next? We got another game we need to talk about? Oh, we got another game we need to talk about. Florida State survives a hurricane. 27-20. This game used to be one of the double D's of D1 football. Now it feels like a condiment versus the double-decker with bacon it used to be. But this was a fun game. Remember, backers, practice safe eating and use condiments. Florida State is the prime of the ACC and do everything Keon Coleman grabbed himself a 57-yard punt return tutty to help his Seminoles get to 16 straight wins. This was an old-school defensive game between the Canes and the Seminoles. Canes held Florida State to 1.8 yards per carry. Florida State held their own on third down, allowing Miami to get four first downs on 16 attempts. B, let the backers know the playoff chances of these Seminoles. It's just a win in your end, man. It's a win in your end. You know, one of those two's got to lose between Ohio State and Michigan. So if you remain undefeated, your scenario is win out. I'm in. All the undefeated teams are going to make it, man. There's another team lingering out west. Who is that? 
we do got one lingering out west, waiting to pounce on one of those playoff opportunities. The number six Ducks cruise at home under the lights against the busted Trojans, winning 36-27. Knicks is him, grabbing four tutties and getting his Ducks even closer to the rematch against the Huskies in the Pac-12 title game if they both can get past Ducks' in-state rival, the Beavers, who are sitting at 8-2 and two, and who still controls their destiny to rep in the Pac-12 as well. The rumor has it, Kayla William will play one more game for USC against the Bruins next week. He wants to get one more rivalry game in. What a season that never was for these Trojans. Oh, no! We suck again! USC was able to linger around in Austin Saturday night, but the Ducks never let them be a serious threat to their title chances. USC scored just enough to say, hey, I'm here. Be even the backers, the Ducks are effectively efficient, both through the air and on the ground, and look like the best team in the Pac-12, despite that early loss to Washington. Yeah, man, I love the Ducks. I love Bo Nix, and I can't wait for them to win out. And head to Vegas, baby. The eye test is officially allowed this time of year. And the Ducks have caught my eye. That balanced running and passing game, along with a top defense, man. I'm loving them. AJ, who you got eyes for this year? Mm, I got all kinds of eyes. You know, I like them all. But yeah, the Ducks, man, I think. Ducks, Bama are teams outside that people are kind of forgotten about, but they about to make some serious moves. I think Michigan is also one of the best teams in the nation. We called Florida State from the beginning. Everybody laughed at us, but man, I got my eyes on them. They've only got a couple more threats to worry about. And I think they probably have the easiest remaining schedule of the top teams. But yeah, Florida State, Bama, and the Ducks, man. My eyes are all on them. All eyes on them, man. It's getting to be that time of year. You're right. Man, we're going to be in the big house soon enough. But first stop, I'm going to take my talents to L.A., baby. I'm joining LeBron. Where are you headed this weekend? Man, you covering that Trojans-Bruins game. It's just going to be a beautiful rivalry to see. I'm heading out to Iowa, man. I got to catch Illinois in action. That's the one Big Ten team we haven't seen in person yet, and that's changing on Saturday. Hell yeah. He's going against his alma mater, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see it, man. Yeah, we'll get your prediction for that later on, but I sure hope you're right. Caleb Williams gets one more game out there. I got to see him play, man. One more time. One more time is key because we did see him in Notre Dame, but it was bad. But anyways, beef. Let's get to AJ and B's best quickies. West Virginia was at number 17, Oklahoma. Sooners find their way at home with ease, beating the Mountaineers 59 to 20. Virginia at Louisville, one of those teams people should have their eyes on, man. The cards survive at home due to some late heroics, winning 31 24. We had Texas Tech at number 16, Kansas. Jayhawks get rocked at home, losing another quarterback in Bean and get raided by the Raiders 16-13. to Number 7, Texas at TCU. 
The Longhorns dominated early, but had to hold off late, beating the Horn Frogs 29-26. We had Tulsa at number 23, Tulane. Green Wave almost couldn't handle the salsa in Tulsa, but pulled it out 24-22. Oh, man. Primetime looking for a win. Been on a bad streak lately. And the streak continues. Number 21, Arizona. The Wildcats knock off Colorado and get 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. And they ruin the Primes Day, winning 34-31. We had Baylor at number 25, Kansas State. Wildcats put on a clinic, dominating the Bears 59-25. Oklahoma State at UCF. Cowboys stunned and rocked in a blowout by the Knights, who won 45-3. to Woo-wee! That motherfucker back there is not real! Stanford at number 12, Oregon State. Beavers leaves the cards soaking wet and in tears, winning huge 62-17. And the stunner of them all, Florida at number 19, LSU. The Tigers wrecked havoc on those toothless Gators, winning 52-35. We had Duke at number 24, North Carolina. Tar Heels dunk on the Devils, winning it in double overtime. Thanks to a failed two-point try by Duke. Tar Heels 47 to Duke 45. But anyways, Beef, that does it for our show tonight, or I should say this morning. We're going to be making plans for our next road trip. We're both going separate ways. But, Beave, get us on out of here. We'll talk to the Big Ten backers on Thursday morning. All right, Big Ten backers, thanks for joining us. We're out. God bless. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors, NILFanBoat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. 